Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Missing Maura Murray. I'm Tim here today with Lance. How's it going, Lance? It's going great. How are you, Tim? Doing pretty well. We are bringing our audience here some audio from CrimeCon. Yep, we're in the annual post-CrimeCon update for everybody who didn't go. And I guess our annual uh, panel session with James Renner which is turning into an annual thing at CrimeCon now. And every year it gets more and more interesting. We had Maggie Freeling join us as well. And uh, Renner, Renner handled himself pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, a good conversation, even though there are disagreements. People can, uh, you know, kind of deal with them and even, you know, make humor out of that those disagreements at times. So I think it, it was a pretty entertaining uh, conversation. Right, and it's also very entertaining to see what people expect from the relationship we have with James Renner. I think a lot of people think that James Renner and us butt heads and we don't get along, but the good thing about James is that you can you can disagree and you can have a debate and he appreciates a debate and after we were done with the session, you know, we all shake hands and and he even says things like, you know, you guys put me on the spot here, I didn't know what to say, you know, things like that, but, you know, five minutes later we're, we're grabbing a beer with them and we also had a screening at crime con of an hour of our documentary finding maura murray and so people have been asking about that where where they could watch that and we will have more news on that soon and it is something we are planning on getting out there this summer the screening went really well i think we had 250 300 people we said uh, at the beginning and it's even in the beginning of that cut of the screening that it's not specifically about finding Mora. It's not about, you know, you're you're not going to get any spots where, you know, we bump into somebody who looks like Mora. It's about, like you say, the societal effect. And James sort of personifies that for us. And it's a nice little encapsulation of a moment in our whole journey. It is. And also check out this GoFundMe page that Maggie Freeling started. It is at GoFundMe.com slash find-mora-murray. And about $5,500 at this moment has been raised of a $10,000 goal 
the money is going to ground penetrating radar for some specific searches and the remainder will go to a reward for information and we will account for all the money so everyone can rest uh, assured knowing that this money is going to go into a separate account uh, like you said what what is not used for the uh, ground penetrating radar will be used for a reward or anything that maybe the family sees uh, you know more necessary but right now the reward is uh, where our heads are at and if you want some more information on that at the end of this episode we will play a five minute uh, cut which describes a little bit more in detail what the project is all about Thank you very much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Mora Murray Doc. We're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Thank you so much for joining us and, and uh, spending your time here with us. We really appreciate that. I'm Tim Polieri. Uh Next to me here is Maggie Freeling, James Renner, and Lance Reinsterner. And I just want to say, I think we have a, a very like flustered James Renner <laughs> we do, tonight. We do. We, do. we, we texted so and called in Nashville. We, <laughs> we were going to start another podcast about you and your whereabouts. <laughs> Missing James Renner. I don't think anybody would miss me, though. Oh, oh okay. Uh, Maybe a couple. <laughs> James, the people here would. <laughs> so uh, this is really cool. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming out, guys. So we'll, uh, we'll open up it to uh, questions and answers at the end. Um, maybe 10, 15 minutes to go or something like that. But uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the new information we were recently given by law enforcement, which is kind of cool that uh, no one is really aware of yet. They actually gave it to us specifically for CrimeCon, which is pretty cool. So we want to send a big thanks to the Cold Case Unit for that, and Art and Maggie, who uh, helped uh, facilitate this information. Um, and we have visuals for this, but it, it can't be seen tonight. Uh, or, I'm sorry, it can't be seen now, but it will be seen on screen tonight after uh, we screen the documentary. Um, so tonight at 7.15 to 8.45, we're screening an hour of our documentary, and then we're doing a Q&A, and we're going to talk about some more uh, new information. We're going to show some visuals of this stuff. But uh, what do we have for new information, Maggie? Well, before we begin, I just want to, is everybody in the room familiar with Maura's case? Is there anybody unfamiliar with the case? Okay. Wow. All right, now we can go. Don't okay, be good. We, we're not. I told we some got, newcomers. We get two to hands. We got we a couple hands. newcomers. Okay. okay. Oh, no, okay, more than two. Okay, okay good, good, good. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for being honest. So Mora went missing in uh, February, February 9th of 2004 on Route 112 in Haverhill, New Hampshire, which is at the base of the White Mountains in New Hampshire. Her car was involved in a single car accident. Um, police arrived. She was seen by several neighbors uh, through 911 calls, through dispatch calls. We know that she was seen by, by people in the neighborhood. Uh, she spoke to one neighbor after that conversation, and before the police showed up, she disappeared, and it's been 14 years, and there hasn't been a single trace of her since. Today's That's, her birthday. She would be 36. And today's her birthday. 36, actually. 36. Okay. Yeah, I got that wrong. 36. Yeah, I thought Yeah, I got that wrong on the podcast, uh, like a big idiot. Um, but, uh, yeah, it would be Maura's 36th birthday today. today. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, Maggie, do you want to uh, talk about this new information that uh, you got? Yeah. So, you know, throughout the show, um, 
myself and Art, who is a former U.S. Marshal, like basically the top of the top law enforcement in the country, we tried to maintain really close relationship with the police. And because of that, they gave us a lot of information that was never released to the public. A lot of it we also were not allowed to release. Um, but lately, you know, we told them... You know, the show aired in September. There was a lot of interest then. People were calling in. They got a lot of new leads. And we said, Crime Con's coming up. We want to release some new stuff. We really want to get people talking again. It's been a few months. Like, let's get some more leads coming in. So they've released two transcripts of 911 calls that have been in question for quite some time from that night. Um, from the Westmans across, across the way, who placed the first 911 call. Um, did you just look at it? Yeah, I just wanted oh, okay. to highlight it. Who placed the first 911 call at 727 when they initially heard her car go off the road. And then the second is from the Atwood residence, um, Butch, the bus driver, who spoke to her. Um, so these are actually, they're pretty heavily redacted transcripts, but they are short. They're a lot shorter than we all expected them to be. Right, the, the Faith Westman call was only a minute and 18 seconds. Yes. So that's something new that uh, has come out I recently. I think a lot of people thought that she would have been on the phone the entire time until the police showed up. Um, it's not the case. Not apparently. the case. It's, it's very, very short. It's less than two pages. Um, and same with Butch's call back, because as a lot of you know, when he initially called, the, lines, the circuits were busy and it was transferred to um, Grafton, Grafton County. Um, so the, and the th- that that call, the Butch Atwood call, was I think it was three minutes, three and a half minutes. It was minutes. about three minutes. Um, and honestly, they say nothing. There are like a very they're they're posted online, and these guys will post them too, so you can see it. Um, but there's a few redacted things, like phone asking for callback numbers are redacted, and then in Faith's there are two big black chunks that are redacted that we don't know what is in there. Um, but is probably pertinent to the case. Well, one it of them we know. Could, it could it could be. I mean, there's some there's some private information that obviously law enforcement will redact. It'll say Butch right, Atwood, number, yeah. yeah, of with um, a phone number. This is while at first glance it you can look at it and say it doesn't have much significance, but it is something that's been dangling out there for a long time. These this Butch Atwood call and what was exactly um, talked about during during that phone call. Uh, what did did he see something that they can't put out there because it might hurt an investigation, either Moore's investigation or some another another crime that had happened that was connecting some some you know you're near know exactly what I'm talking yeah I know I see her shaking <laughs> yeah. her head the whole time <laughs> so you know was was it something that law enforcement just can't say because of any investigation that was going on. Sorry to interrupt. Well, but I think what, you know, Butch's is way less redacted. His is all pretty much there. The only redactions are, um, seems like a phone number. But Faith, there are two actual sentences that are redacted. Um, well, one, I think we can surmise. I think it might be the, the smoking cigarette. Yeah, man in the car smoking a cigarette, probably redacted. Uh, well, I don't want to speculate why it's redacted. I don't know. We don't think it's true, but uh, it, it was redacted. Right, but we know that they argued about that at some point. Right, yeah, the the Westmans themselves. The Westmans Tim argued and about Faith. that. Um, but I think what's most interesting is that we now know that Faith was not on the phone the whole time until the police arrived, which was a pretty big question. If she was, if she saw Butch pull up, um, 
it could, that could be what the last thing says, that she sees him pull up. Yeah. We don't know. Uh, James, what, what did you think about these transcripts? What, what did you take away from these? I, I, I hate to be the guy that, that, that pops the, the, the balloon, the, the bubble here. Whatever you need to be. better metaphor. Um, I don't think that, uh, I, you know, I, it's not that, I mean, it's great that we have it. It's, it's more documents we can go to, but, um, you know, I, I don't think it, it points to, I mean, it, we're still back where we were, where she disappeared in a very short period of time. Um, I think, if anything, it helps to um, maybe cement the fact a little bit more that there was no police conspiracy involved um, because they're being open and honest with you. So I think that's great. But, um, you know, as far as whittling down any other, you know, theories. No, I think I agree with you. I don't, I, I think that people were expecting some bombshells in these and they were like 10 minute calls. And I don't think that's what's happening here. I think the one thing that I that I kind of took away is is looking at Butch's language and the way he speaks at the end of the call. It just to me he's totally thrown out as as a suspect or whatever you want to call him. Um, he's just speaking so casually at the end of this phone call. Uh, he's he's like, how come no one answered the phone when I called? He's like, I tried twice. It's like, uh, yeah, they had to call me back. <laughs> Great so Butch I, Atwood impersonation. Just, <laughs> 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 just doesn't read to me like someone who either just uh, abducted someone or is just about to. But any any time that you can, um, you know, take you know because this again the transcripts were a big part of these conspiracy theories that would come out of the case. So any any time you can, you know, chip away one of those is huge. So you know that for for that reason alone, this is this is good information. I, I do think, again, this does, and I wonder what the two of you think, Tim and Lance, that this does also solidify that there was no police cover-up, in a sense. Why, because they gave them to us, or? I mean, there's nothing, it, it doesn't say anything. There's redactions, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it, certainly, it doesn't seem like there is anything nefarious with the Westmans or the Atwoods or anything like that going on. But to, to to answer your question, your question was, how does does this lead us in a direction to th- to conclude that there is no police conspiracy? Not conclude, conspiracy or... but like, does this lead you in the direction of thinking like, oh yes, that look, look, there are, there's a police conspiracy going on here. Like, it doesn't. It's more like what Tim said about the casualness of Butch Atwood's tone in in how you read it. It it doesn't lead me away from something. It leads me more towards. In, in the Westman call and in Atwood's call, this wasn't anything unusual. There was no sense of panic. In, yeah. I know it's tough to tell when you're reading something, but there was no sense of panic there. There wasn't, there wasn't you come here quick. There, there was a lot of ums. There was a lot of, uh, I'm not quite, uh, you know. Right. And it, there, was, there wasn't anything saying, and there wasn't any redactions big enough for it to be, I'm looking at this X and now she's doing this, yes. and then that would have to have a follow-up, which would be redacted as well. There wasn't any of that back and forth that would suggest to me anything other than a car just spun off the road, which further frustrates and infuriates me because now we just have more... We just have another circumstance of a, a normal thing that went completely abnormal, and we, we might be that much closer, but... 
I was told that that crashes at that ninety degree turn are pretty regular yeah. in the in the in the winter months. So yeah, and it was just another crash. For the, yeah. Is anyone here from the immediate area from where Mora went missing? Anyone know that turn or been there? A couple of you said you drove. Oh, okay. Some people said they. Got yeah, you guys went up there. <laughs> yeah. So I I think I think what is frustrating is just you think you again this is the whole like fascination and rabbit hole with the cases when you think you have something you actually don't what you do have is just another thing that confuses the fuck out of you <laughs> I mean, how is it possible that in in the middle of, and you said there's like beacons there how is it possible that no matter what happened it wasn't seen because she was traveling with another driver well that she knew <laughs> Allegedly. True, true crimatic for sale at Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you read the book? <laughs> Are you still standing no. by that? Absolutely, yeah. In my mind, 100% on the tandem driver. Um, she was traveling with a friend. The friend was in a car ahead of her. She spins out. Um, friend realizes she's no longer behind her. Comes back around, picks her up. In a matter of 10 seconds, she's gone. The question becomes, what happens after that? And it's one of two possibilities. Either Maura continued on as living a life um, on the lamb, which at, for a while I thought was the, the leading theory, but now I'm about 40%. Mm. Um, what I believe probably happened now is that she made it to a cabin or a condo, wherever she was headed. Um, perhaps it was the outing club cabin. And I think she was murdered by somebody that she was close with later in the week when they found her and flew into a rage. And I think that's why we've never found her body, because we're looking in the wrong place. I think she's about an hour away from where the search area was. Good stuff. Where do you get an hour? <clears throat> I don't know. Where, where was the outing club cabin? How far away was that? But that from? was heavily searched. I don't think the no. outing club cabin's the cabin. That was, like, heavily searched by police. It says... That's new information to me. Says my transcripts right here. I'd love to interviews. see it. Please tell us, <laughs> tell us some more about so that. You're saying that these are the transcripts from these the auction show? These are chair. all of our transcripts with police. I have Monahan, Chuck West, Jeff Williams, Cecil Smith, and Jeff Stralzen. Are all these names familiar to yeah. people? Okay, good. Um, For shorthand, so <laughs> the assistant district attorney, a couple members of the cold case unit former chief of police. And the, the active uh, investigator right now, Chuck, Chuck West. West. I'd love to hear more about this. Just to, just to further solidify this, the, um, the one Chuck's thing that I keep going back to is the fact that we have a missing woman, and at the time her boyfriend um, was Bill Rausch, and now Bill Rausch is, uh, there's a grand jury in Washington, D.C. right now. He's uh, in a lot of trouble. He lost his job in December, uh, over allegations of sexual assault and uh, um, abuse and um, uh, harassment. He pushed a woman down in the metro in Washington, D.C. Uh, and I was just uh, informed um, a couple days ago that he was seen on Valentine's Day at a hospital with a woman who had a gash in her head and that required stitches. And he stayed around to, while she explained that she slipped and fell to the doctors. So you've got a, you've got a man that um, is, has quite a history of um, being rough with women and his, his girlfriend's missing. I think what we might be dealing with is a very simple case, just a very weird way that it was executed. 
There's a lot of. Um, I just want to. I want to take back. Uh, I didn't mean that as a shot with, for your book. By the way, I was. <laughs> I, it came. It came across as unnecessarily mean because I do think that. <laughs> I do think that all of the work that you put into it. Is is excellent. You you. Thank you. Yeah. We're all friends, right? And and, and I mean, it comes across that you know we argue sometimes, but you know you're not John Smith. You're not trying to kill anybody. It, it, where is John Smith here? <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna take off your Renner mask, be John Smith. But no, I I think that what you what you come up with is is really good stuff. And and bottom line is you keep the conversation going, and it might not be accurate. And I know, and we said this last year. No. And what and what we think might not be accurate, and what the police, you know, there's, but if if she if there were if there were to be a conclusion, and it happened tomorrow, and it wasn't anything that any of us talked about, we'd be fine with that. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you know, so just to have closure. Um, as far as the 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 way you put together the pieces, getting to um, Bill Roush, there's there's really like very significant. Um, proof based on his, the phone records, him not oh, yeah. being there at the time. Well, yeah, no, 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 he wasn't. He was in Fort Sill. Right. He comes to New Hampshire, I think, on Wednesday. Um, I believe that she made it to that cabin. She's there until Thursday or Friday. I think she was murdered Wednesday or Thursday, and I think somebody close to her found her before the police did, and they're like flew into a rage because she's done this yet again. She's caused all this drama and it was a snap. <laughs> so I think well, we're looking in the wrong place. Well, I think we're but that, that way includes, outside where she is. That includes uh, collusion between Bill's mom, Fred Murray. Not Fred Murray. Fred, Fred Murray said there, that Bill there was there the whole time with him. Fred said, and Julie have said they accounted for Bill the whole time. Fred wants that to be true. He really wants that to be true. You know, Fred's got a burr in his thing, and it has had, you know, from the very beginning with me. Um, and for very good reason, based on things that I discovered at his, at his house. And he doesn't want any of that to come up. So, um, yeah, Fred wants that to be true. But, no, he wasn't accounted for the entire time. He was with his father. He and his father went out and searched alone. Bill and, they, Bill and his father. Bill and his father, yes. Um, Bill and his father searched up to... Uh, Streak Mountain, Maine. They were they were way away from everybody else in that search area. In fact, they part of their search led them up to um, near that back lake where there was that yeah. weird sighting of her. Where before. is that? Where is this coming from? I never heard this. This is coming from the phone records for one, and also Bill Roush when I spoke to him back in this would have been 2012 and 2013. But yeah. Fred, Fred has a narrative he wants to stick close to, and anything outside of that, um, you know, he'll spin anyway. If, if you look at his statement, his official statement to the police, I, I don't know why he does this, but Fred Murray has lied several times, and he's gotten caught doing it. He has several stories about what really happened the night that Maura got into the accident in Hadley, two days before she disappeared, when he's coincidentally down at her college with $4,000 in cash that he took out of eight different ATMs. So, you know, I don't know what Fred's up to. I, I have a feeling that what he was trying to do was keep all this stuff about Moore's 
you know, troubles and infidelities and credit card theft and identity fraud out of the news. And now that it's out there, he doesn't have anything to lose by talking about it. I just I um, want to go back a little bit before getting too deep into the Fred uh, rabbit hole. What would his motivation be to protect Bill Roush if Bill Roush did something to his daughter? Because he's on TV several times saying Bill Roush is a wonderful man. He, he, wanted her, he wanted him to marry her. And now that it comes out that Bill has sexually assaulted a woman in D.C. and tossed this other woman down the metro, um, that sounds really bad. Well, to be fair, when I I interviewed Fred, he did say, like, they had, like, I don't, like, I'm not getting into their business. Like, he acknowledged before you uncovered all that. that What did he acknowledge? That, that, you know, Maura and Bill had issues and he didn't know what was going on, but there were issues. So why is he still saying he's a stand-up guy and he'd love to have him as a son-in-law? When was the last time he said that? I think on... What, didn't he say that on the oxygen special? I don't think I so. He said salt so of the earth. I think he said that. Salt of the earth, yeah. Somewhere else, yeah. Um, I'm being very unprofessional in my <laughs> podcasting by interrupting and stuff, but uh, <clears throat> you're saying that this father would hold more weight in protecting a reputation that he really didn't have before this happened... If, he, if, if, if there was definitive proof that Bill did something, his reputation that he didn't have before his daughter went missing no, is more I think, important? I think Fred ultimately just doesn't care about the information at this point. He's written Bill off, and he's made his decision that, yeah, Bill was the salt of the earth, all-around nice guy. And if James Renner's the one that's talking about these assaults in D.C., Fred's not going to put much weight in that, you know? We can, until, but, until Bill gets indicted, which I fully expect will happen this summer. But, let, let, let's put a pin in that real quick and yeah. come back to it real quick. I want to say, no matter what, Bill, if he had anything to do with Mora, what has been discovered about his behavior towards women in the meantime, if it's true, he does deserve any punishment that he gets. Absolutely. So, so now take that pin out and we can get back to... Sure, and I didn't mean to bring the con- I didn't mean to take over this conversation about Fred and everything. So, if we can get to like other evidence, well, when we couldn't, <laughs> when, when we couldn't find you a few minutes ago, I was wondering what we were going to talk about. You're welcome. <laughs> well, we also got Mora's uh, photos of Mora's dorm room, which is pretty, pretty, oh, uh, really interesting. I really want you to. These. Yeah, Renner. Yeah. Wait, is everything packed up or not? You, l- let's see what you think. So what? these were given to us by um, New Hampshire State Police early on in our investigation, perhaps a year ago. Um, they're not great photos. They're like, you know, 2004 photos. If anything happens to me, it'll be John Smith. There it is. <laughs> oh. He's Sorry, kidding. I shouldn't He's say kidding. that. I shouldn't check that. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look packed up at all. It doesn't look packed up, is what I'm getting. It looks like there's like two. Oh, so there's a PDF you gotta open yeah, if too. Yeah, you go all the way to the bottom. Um, Wait, is this a bikini? If anybody wants to see these later on, just let us know. No, I know no. Okay. Well, we're gonna show them at after the screenings. Yeah. Is this the PDF down here? Yeah. yeah. The yeah. top one. Okay. So there's like so two, room is two plastic bare. bags. It's a dorm. It's a dorm it, room. I went to bare. UMass. Like when you leave for the holidays, you have to pack up your room. There's still stuff hanging in her closet. There's still stuff on her desk. You can see in the background. There's her soap and toiletries. 
Um, her computer and stereo are still there. Yeah, her computer and stereo are still there. And then there's two plastic bags on the ground that are open. And to me, it looks like she had returned and hadn't unpacked yet and was just kind of like living out of these bags and hanging stuff up in her closet as she was going through the bags, I which have I have s- done. I have to say, you should get those up and, and out there because they're very interesting. And I think some people might find other items in the sure. in the room. You know, you never know what people might find important. But it does change in my mind that now I think, without a doubt, she was coming back. Yeah. She was coming back to the dorm. It's not a packed room. So the, the fact that that was like a misconception from the beginning... I, that was always my question. How do you know this was a packed room? Yeah, the, these laundry bags. I mean, it looks like laundry bags to yeah. me. It looks like someone who, you know, spent a, a couple hours at the laundromat, actually. Yeah. yeah. Even the fact that the door still has... I'm just, I know people can't really see that, but even the fact that the door still has her name and the dorm number and it's these paper cutout hearts... It, it it doesn't strike. It you would never well, look at that and be like, "This is somebody too. who's taken off." The monkey. So there's a like a monkey hanging from the ceiling, and I don't think it made it into the show. But when we interviewed two of her really good friends from home from high school, they said she loved this like stuffed animal monkey. I think yeah. Bill gave it to her. Mm-hmm. She was obsessed with this monkey. There's like photos of her with it that some of you probably have seen. And so the monkey is in the room, hanging from the ceiling. Now I'm at ninety percent that she's passed away. That she was. That she was. Yeah, I mean seriously, because yeah, you know, in my mind, I always thought, well, she's packed up. She's packed up at UMass. She's leaving. She's not coming back. Um, but yeah, now I, I think ninety percent that she's that she was murdered. When the Murrays saw this information, these photos, um, that I don't. I know when we we got the ATM photos, Fred had already seen those. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure if or when he's seen these. Okay. Yeah, I, I was just just asking because it seems it seems to me like they've known a lot of this information that we're learning now. That I would imagine kind of they've seen those time. early on because I feel like they could pinpoint some of those things, like oh, that monkey, she would never leave without it, or something like that. You know? Yeah. Because Fred has always said he thought it was a local dirtbag who took her. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I, I know I hear what you're saying, James, um, about some potential inconsistencies, but to me, it seems like he's totally 100% convinced that some local dirtbag grabbed her. Oh, I don't argue about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just, you know, if you ask him about anything that happened before the accident, you're going to get one of ten different stories. But why does that matter if he's being... Because she, I believe she was murdered by somebody close to her. So it matters a lot, I think. Um, it matters who knew she was there. I totally believe that she told at least one or two people where she was going. And if you look at the phone records, you've, you, you will find that the day that she disappeared, Bill Roush is trying to get in touch with Maura over and over and over and over again. And uh, he calls her, um, he calls Kate Markopoulos' dorm room. And at that moment, Maura finally calls him back and, and leaves a message on his, uh, or, t- or 
I think leaves a message or text, um, which if you set that, I don't know, if you look at it, it leads me to believe that Mora was in Kate's dorm room when that phone call came in because now she realizes it's safe to call him real quick. She can leave a message. She's called back, but she doesn't have to talk to him. And what's he doing calling Kate Markopoulos' dorm room? Thank God none of my ex-girlfriends have <laughs> gone missing. And then someone pulls up my phone records of me calling <laughs> my girlfriend when if we're on the rocks or whatever. Calling your girlfriend's best friend's dorm room? I'm not going to say I haven't called an ex-girlfriend's <laughs> best friend's dorm room. Like, I'm just... I'm just putting. I'm just. I know in in the uh, in the world of Maura Murray because she's missing. These things do seem suspicious, but in the world of just two twenty-year-old kids, twenty-one-year-old kids, it's not that uncommon. But I just like to see a, a narrative in which you could explain any other possibility. I don't think Kate knows anything. I don't. Who, I would, who are we talking Markopolis. about? Markopolis. No, no, no. You don't think Markopolis? No. I think Markopolis knew where she no. was going. Why, why wouldn't she talk to anybody? If she, because if she knew where she was going, I think she did talk to people. I think she told the police. She was absolutely subpoenaed in the grand jury. You and can, I think you can say spoke. that 100%? Who told, I cannot who say told, 100%. Okay, they yeah. used grand juries, and they said... The grand jury that they used was an information grand jury, which means they right. were after yeah. specific um, subpoenas for but there was more than one material. Right. There was multiple investigative techniques that they used. We have no evidence specifically that anybody, any person appeared before those grand juries that they interviewed Well, people. it would have been really stupid to not get Kate Markopoulos in front of Wouldn't that grand it? jury. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, gonna to make a bet to you <laughs> that Kate Markopoulos was in front of that grand I've, jury. I spoke to the UMass police officer who quished, who questioned who was who first questioned Kate Markopoulos and he said she was uncooperative and feigned ignorance about who else was at that party and now of course it's come out that we know that Mora hooked up at that party uh, on campus Saturday night supposedly with Sarah Alfieri's cousin so very important information for a girl that's gone missing and Kate Markopoulos did not give that to uh, police. So she, she's been uncooperative from the beginning. Sure, and until she gets subpoenaed for a grand jury. And we don't know that that's happened. I would bet you that happened. I will, okay. All right, what are we betting? Right here. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever lunch. find out, but I will guarantee you that happened. <laughs> a warm lunch in Manhattan. <laughs> okay, okay? Sure. All right. Sure. <clears throat> so we also got provided um, the receipt from the liquor store. That's pretty cool. Um, before Mora left Hadley uh, Mass. And uh, it's completely redacted uh, as far as what she bought. Which is weird. <laughs> but yeah, we, well, I actually don't think... So talking yeah. to the police who gave this to us, um, you know, you can see it. Yeah. Um, right you know, basically it's just the timestamp and... Which is 343? 343. And the cost on it is... $38.31 of booze. Um... And not, so, not for Nashville prices. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've had a drink yet here. Yeah, at least this place. <laughs> Anyone needs a recommendation on a $73 brunch? Delicious. Delicious. <laughs> Try the grits. <clears throat> and get your money's worth. I look at that receipt, and again, I, I'm, I'm back to the idea that um, this is a lot of booze for one person. Um, that I think in my mind still goes to further evidence that she wasn't traveling by herself. What, what do you make of the receipt? I agree. 
Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with I that. I agree that this what? is... I, I, the, the, I mean, I think I, no, no, that's no, no, an idea that. I it's wouldn't impossible. disagree with. Impossible yeah. to disagree. I think the part that we're disagreeing with is there's no... No one's ever come forward. That, like, we've never heard anything as much as you've dug into it, Maggie and Art, uh, we, and, and law enforcement. No one's ever heard of anyone who knew that Mora was going anywhere. That, that's what I find amazing. The person that would have known... Is not talking though. That's that's to like a you. big. She's not talking to you. <laughs> and the part that I agree with is that thirty-eight dollars and thirty-one cents of alcohol, like worth of alcohol in two thousand four, is is uh, significant for more than one person. Whether she was traveling with somebody or planning to meet somebody to distribute the alcohol is. Uh, is the big redacted part. You know, that's the part that we just don't know. Right. Um, and, and, you know, in these interviews, when we were talking about the redactions, they were saying, you know, because the booze was missing from the car, so did who picked her, like, whoever picked her up, if they finally find that person, are they yeah. like, yeah, she had this, this, and this with her? Right. Or was someone standing in line with her and saw her with somebody else saying, yeah, I saw her with this guy buying this, this, and this? So there is an investigative reason for why the booze is redacted. Yeah, because where did the booze go? It, it wasn't all in the car. No, right. it was not in the car. So that's bizarre. There's a party that night. You've got to take the booze. You know, well, leave everything else. Was in the get car. the booze. Some of it was in the car, but not all of it. Right. The wine was in the car. The wine that right. had broken apart, yeah. It's so confusing. That part is confusing. You did ask uh, that, you, that you can't present or you, don't, you can't imagine another scenario other than what you described. You said, I can't imagine another because scenario. Because of the short time frame in which he disappears. Uh, if it was an, ab a, an abduction by a dirtbag, there's got to be that interchange. Hey, what happened? Do you want to ride? Yeah, okay. You know, and then you've got like a minute and a half. And right. somebody, there were three people watching this, the crime scene. Right. Somebody would have seen that. Not saying someone didn't see that. We don't know. The we don't know. We don't have anything do from the Marats. We do know that what has like what we've recently started to call the, the spider web right there is the spider web where she went missing she's at the center of the spider web and we have a man very close to that area convicted of child molestation and incest that's a fact it's a, it's in there you can look that up documented fact documented fact there is a brush fire on on the the same property um, I just want you to have the day after Mora went the missing. day after Mora went missing. There's another man whose whose ex-wife has communicated account after account of bizarre behavior, not documented, not 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 a criminal by you know legal standards. A little further down the road, you have another man who's bragged about having 40 plus kills and has no problem telling a cop to lower his weapon. When when he happens upon a scene, I'm quicker than you, boy. I'm quicker than you, boy. That was that's, the that's that was said. my favorite episode of your show, by the way. <laughs> that was like, no seriously, oh, like that thanks. was that was really excellent. But like just the way it was plotted out, and thanks. like if anybody hasn't seen the Lico, it's the Lico Lico Kenny, Kenny. yeah, yeah. yeah. Episode. episode 41, showdown right. in Franconia. So yeah, that's just a little bit outside the spider web. It's not completely past the spider web, but that's Greg Floyd, who is is a complete monster. Um, and that, that's not even, like, I paused because I'm trying to think of something worse. Like, the well, guy is a maniac. about the A-frame house yet. And then if you go in the other direction, you have the A-frame house and a couple of brothers who, who don't trust each other to the point where one of them gives police a knife and says, I think my brother had something to do with Morris' disappearance. Regardless whether or not that was true, he still is such a dirtbag that he gives the police a knife and implicates his brother in something. And actually, the thing is, is until you go up there... 
you think these places are like ah, a mile away. They're actually the one house with the brush fire is directly next to the Westman, so I like, could pretty much see the accident. And then the A-frame house is just a little bit down the road. Like these these people, the local dirt bags are on top of this scene. The sad thing about this, though, is um, I think about a case like the Amy Mihalovic case, which is one of the the first big case that I looked into back in Northeast Ohio. A young girl goes missing in 89, abducted from in, in, uh, across the street from the police station on a Friday afternoon. Terrible story. Um, you start looking into any neighborhood, though. You go back and question, start questioning her neighbors. I think it's just something... It's It's not... You know, Route 112, where she disappeared, has a lot of dirt bags, but every area has dirt bags. You know, we're, we're a country of dirt bags, I guess. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the nicest person in that area, other than Butch Atwood, it seems, who unfortunately has passed away, the other person is, is or people, the Westmans, but they're so apathetic that they don't yeah. even they don't even uh, allow people to park in an open lot next to the old weathered barn during Mora's anniversaries. They rope, rope it off so people have to park on the side of this windy street. I'm not here to bash them, but that's a dick thing to do. And <laughs> they're 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 they refuse people searching their property now. After three months, they said, "What what do they expect to find? It's been three months." So the nicest people up there are still apathetic as fuck. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, and I think the reason that Greg Floyd comes up all the time is because um, he lives at very, very close to the spot where um, Rick Forcier, who was basically right on top, he lived right where Mora disappeared, like 150 yards or something like that. And he said that he spotted someone running on the road, and he placed that person very close to Greg Floyd's house. And he had some different accounts of where he was when Mora went missing. So he's, he's told several different stories. So if he's lying about where he was, that's creepy. And if, even if the sighting is true and it really was Mora, well, that puts her in danger, too. You know, something else to keep in mind when I was going through these transcripts, we were talking, um, and I don't know why I didn't think of this, but until police arrived, until Cecil arrived with his, like, headlight on his car, that road is so dark that even if you were looking out your window, you might not have been able to see somebody running down the street. Like, it is that dark up there, and I don't know why that was something I had never really thought of. Maybe I'm, I'm curious where I, I know I'm jumping ahead and I don't mean to hijack your interview. Um, Go on. <laughs> what do you think Maura's destination was that night? I think she was just trying to go and get away by herself. I don't know. And she just well, maybe. not according to the liquor store receipts, unless she planned on going away for a while. But like, yeah, you know, she could have been. She could have been. She gave herself. She bought herself a week of time. She did. Yeah. She brought some books. I mean, buy, so no yeah. destination set, but maybe she'd find a hotel in yeah. Bartlett or something. Yeah, she took out cash. She paid for the hotel in cash. She brought her books. Um, buy a handle of vodka, girl. Do your thing. Yeah, I, I <laughs> promise you, we're each gonna drink more than thirty-eight dollars worth of alcohol tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to to me, it does. I, I you know, I do think it is like it totally could be you're going to a party with somebody. Depends on what was bought. I think it depends on what was bought. To be honest. 
I have a question for James. Sure. James, you started all of this, and now you just ended it by pulling your blog. Why? What happened? Well, because I am convinced that she uh, is either alive, and that's smaller and smaller as more evidence comes out, or that she, if she was murdered, I feel that it was by somebody that she knew. So the only reason at this point that I would keep the blog up with all this information about people like Kate Markopoulos and Sarah Alfieri and, and Fred... And, and, and the Murray family is if I thought it had something to do with Mora, and I, I'm, I no longer believe that. So um, by keeping it up there, I, and I think after a while, um, I think people should have the... Um, there are a lot of unsavory things that came out about the Murrays um, through my research that may or may not have influenced Mora's decision that day. But it's not getting us closer to what happened to her, and it Maybe it doesn't need to be up there anymore to, you know, hurt the Murrays. You know, I do feel for the Murrays, especially Julie and uh, and Kurt. Um, and I try to imagine what it would be like to have that information out there. So um, I think it's time to, to get it off there because it's not leading anywhere. But if anybody wanted information that was formerly on your blog, you would have that available to them? Yeah, uh, if anybody's really interested in deep diving into this mystery or writing your own book or whatever, um, all my notes to the case and the information that I've gathered, even stuff that didn't end up in the book, stuff that was too salacious for the book, things like that, um, are all uh, at the archive at Kent State University, Special Collections Archive. They keep it up there. You can, you know, somebody else, somebody just uh, drove into town to look through it this week, and um, you know, I think it changed their mind on the on the case, and they Is came it out digital, of it. Wait, or do you have to go? There? It will eventually be digital, but um, probably not for a few years. Okay. Can I go back real quick? So there's more salacious stuff that you didn't put in the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, I think we should open up for open up for yes. questions now. We got about yeah, 20, like twenty minutes, minutes to left. Go. Yeah. So um, there's some microphones uh, in the room if you want to. Uh, Hop up there, whoever uh, <laughs> Don't wants be to. shy. <laughs> Did we actually answer all the questions about Maura Murray today? Uh, nope. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, perfect. Oh, there we go. Okay. And I feel old. I I feel weird. I don't think knowing where she was going would necessarily solve it because my personal belief is that a stranger picked her up. Um, I think that there is potentially a witness that we don't know about that saw something. And I think um, the police have that witness. Um, But, you know, I think maybe if some internet sleuths 
could see what that person said and saw maybe they can find something. I would, uh, I would add to that that um, a full DNA profile from the blood taken out of the A-frame house, yeah. I would love to, uh, to know if that was Mora um, because I think that could solve the case. Yeah, what, and just to clarify, when we got the results back on that, we could not rule her out. So. Oh, no, I was just going to, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with that. The A-frame's huge. If you could get an answer out of that, that's big. Um, although that might lead to something else that is going to take you down another rabbit hole because, I mean, we're talking about blood that was in a house that dogs, which sniffed dead bodies, went nuts at and luminol lit up a bottom closet. Then you look at the owners of the house, you might just be going down another another rabbit hole with that. But something bad happened in that house. I think that's that's very important. The other thing that's very important is the boots-on-the-ground effort that's happening um, next week. It's the ninth. Oh, it's happening the, now. Actually, it just started today. Yeah. started today, okay. Um, even if nothing is found that's directly related to Mora, any item directly related to Mora, side note, I, I feel like there, her cell phone is still out there. I don't know why, but I feel like whatever happened, her cell phone is like somewhere. But even if nothing has, is found, it still puts a presence in that area. And if any, you know, next year, um, make it a bigger presence. Do it twice a year. We'll, we'll be up there for a day or two um, next week. But um, I think things like that will put pressure on that community if someone's there who has some responsibility. I think someone in the community knows. I think it's a stranger to her, but not to the community. I would, the one thing that I would love to know is Bill Roush's whereabouts from the time he gets into New Hampshire to the time he leaves. He goes completely radio silent for five days in there where he doesn't make a single cell phone call when his girlfriend's missing. But they said he was using the, the hotel phones because uh, the service thinks. He's not checking his... He's not... Uh, this is a guy that is compulsively using that cell phone. You can phone check your voicemail from a landline, though, on a cell phone. You can check a That's cell true. phone's voicemail from a landline. That's true. Any other questions? Oh, there we go. Uh, I have a question about Mara had charges from Domino's Pizza on her account. There was the credit card fraud allegation. Um, has anyone checked out who the employee was at Domino's and what their relationship is? Mara, have they been cleared as a suspect? And actually, that's one of the things James found that we can thank him for. Those oh, are some of the things you. that Thanks, he dug Megan. up. So. <laughs> thank you. Which may or not be, be relevant, but James did do a lot of <laughs> digging. Couldn't just, couldn't just give the compliment. Right. Uh, yeah, so the, yeah, this is interesting that um, so she got in trouble for um, uh, taking a credit card number and using it to buy pizza. Um, and then she got caught in this weird sting where they got her and took her picture and everything and she got charged. And, but the charges were going to go away if she stayed out of trouble. But then after that, she calls that same pizza place at, like, I think it was, like, 3 in the morning or something, you know, leading up to when she disappeared. So the question is, were they even open at that time? And if they weren't open, is she calling an employee there? Who was there to answer the phone? Never really got a clear answer on that. Um, I just always thought it was weird that you get busted. Like, I don't know that you would ever go back to that pizza place. What's she doing calling at 3 in the morning? Yeah, I mean, who knows? You know, back then, maybe not a lot of pizza shops open at 3 a.m. But, and it wasn't College. Domino's. It was no, like a, it was yeah, Pinocchio's, it was a, Pinocchio's or something? Pinocchio's. It was a local pizza place. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good question. Um, I've read your book. I 
I really enjoyed that. That was very well written. Thank you. Um, I think there's, you know, a lot of solid support for the tandem driver theory. Thanks. My question is, it sounds like you think that the tandem driver is not the same person that then murdered her. Because I don't think that they're completely sure if Mora got away and that's why she's never heard from them again or if she met with harm. I don't think she knows what happened there. And that piece of it, um, I think hopefully she eventually shared with police, but perhaps we're talking about a friend specifically that took that was the tandem driver that might have a very big reason to not trust the police um there are friends of mora's that for instance whose father was in prison for a very long time and that affected the rest of her life so maybe there's a very good reason she doesn't want to be wrapped up in any sort of situation like that I will also say that it's in the show um, and in the transcripts. Strelzen did say to us, we don't know where she is and we don't know where she was going. That's true. So unless he's lying, they said they do not know where she was going. So that means that someone possibly did not tell them. Right. Can I see those pictures? Uh, so I was just wondering whether there was any evidence of that printed email in those photos. I'm trying to see if, if that... I was thinking about that when I looked at those those bags. I and thought of that, too. I, there's nothing I think, in it. No, but I think I think I know where Renner's going to go with this. I mean, <laughs> the uh, the monkey, so Maura's monkey that was given to her from by Bill, uh, as far as we know, she it's hanging from like a pipe in the dorm room which is kind of like an eerie picture, I guess, at this point. Um, but, like, I, I suppose you could look to that and say, well, that's, like, the first thing you would see when you walk into this room, and if she disappeared, that's also maybe an F you to Bill. I don't know. Or it's, or she's just, you know, coming, planning on coming back to the room, and that's where the monkey lives. You'll have to look at the pictures. I think it's possible that that printed email is on top of the bags, you can't really tell for sure. The police also could have set that aside when they. Yeah, I don't they know. could have. If 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 it is what we think it is, and honestly, I don't know uh, where the information comes from that it was sort of an fu to Bill email. Yeah, I was just going to ask, do we know um, where that came from? Other than it was because we don't know what was written on this email, right? I, I do. Um, this comes from an interview with Skarinza. You you saw the email. I spoke to I'm, not, I'm not trying to pin you in a corner. I'm <laughs> truly fascinated. Uh, I, I spoke to uh, Lieutenant Scarenza, who was in charge of the investigation for the first couple years. Um, he's the one that explained that the, there was a printed out email on top of the bags, and the email was actually an email that Bill had sent to Mora in which he admitted to cheating on her with some girl from, uh, some young woman from West Point, I believe. Mm. But no, I never actually saw the email. <laughs> Hello. Uh, really enjoy your podcast. Um, I think I have recent, uh, recent, I, I think I've missed some recent episodes, and so I definitely need to catch up. Um, but I stopped around the time um, when um, 
closet. And I was just curious what came of the concrete slab that was sort of out of place and, and strange. Did anyone ever excavate that? I know you said that now uh, permission is not being given to look at the property anymore. Is that just a dead end or is that something that is still being looked at? So I think you're, so yeah, we don't know what's under the concrete. Um, we have not gotten any information about uh, that. But we do know that the, the A-frame house was for sale and it was purchased. And uh, the current owners um, are very willing to let uh, law enforcement back in or even us probably and uh, to do whatever With your we need to do. jackhammers to excavate the Yeah, slab. I'm just going to roll up my sleeves and pull out my jackhammer. <laughs> There's definitely it, a community push to yeah. to do that. We've gotten um, you know suggestions to get is it lidar that uh, yeah, that like, penetrates uh, concrete. Um, there, the, but these to things fund like a, to start a GoFundMe and stuff. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, these things aren't cheap, and you need to get the you know the right kind of permits to even ex excavate you know more than six inches. Um, you need to get permits to do that. The concrete slab, I'm pretty sure, is still there. That's in the. Uh, there's no reason there, yeah. why it wouldn't be there because that's quite an endeavor to to move something like that. Um, so that's that's actually it's a really uh, relevant question right now because that's exactly where we're at. The old owners bought it for the sake of flipping. New owners came in and said we are concerned about the the case. Right? I mean that's yeah. essentially what they said that they they, they were Googled. willing to help. Mm -hmm. They they Googled the address and uh, found all this information and then reached out to us and said, what do you think? <laughs> we're like, well, I don't know. Uh, so before they uh, bought it, we were considering starting a GoFundMe to buy the place ourselves, and then they, they bought it. And um, Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an A-frame house in, the, in nowhere, New Hampshire. It wasn't that, <laughs> it wasn't that much money. <laughs> but um, but that, that's where we're at right now, so we'll see. Well, thank you. Just yeah. And Art and I do talk to the police weekly, and it's definitely something that... Um, I make him ask Chuck very nicely to <laughs> check up on. So, so they're aware of it. So it's on their radar? or It's just... absolutely on their radar. Okay. And, and we don't know. Like you said, you don't know if they have, if the police have reached out to the new owners or the old owners. Like those are just things we don't know. But I make sure to bring it up. Melissa, Hi. what's up? What's going on? She runs our Facebook, uh, our Facebook uh, page. If podcast. you're, if you're and, in the group. And, and Olivia <laughs> sitting right there. Thank you, so, Melissa. Can I buy you? Can I buy you a beer later? I, I feel like we need to. We need to hug it out. <laughs> okay. Strangely uh, enough, feel beer. Oh dear. Be nice, please. Be nice. I have, yeah. Okay. Well, it, it everything is wouldn't, everything is um, drafted, which means you can't see it on the internet, but it's it's still there as a document. But okay. yeah, um, if I need to put it up again. I mean, and not, and not to like, you know, be frank about it, but you've jumped okay. to a lot of conclusions and made a lot of kind of hints towards some salacious stuff. Sure. Um, and then kind of retracted it. Definitely. I don't know that I'd call it a retraction. I think that there are times where information's come out and uh, that is salacious that we didn't know if it was important. For instance, the um, 
you know, where Mora and Kate would get together with these three men at the pool uh, after hours and the things that were going on there um, were very interesting for a time because one of the, the men involved was questioned by police. His girlfriend turned him in. So at, when I got the information, of course, that's, let's share this. Maybe somebody will know, you know who was involved and some more information could come out with that. So... But when it didn't pan out and, you know, people get upset that we're talking about this woman's sexual history, yeah, I, sometimes I think better about things that I've put out there and, and we'll take them down so you can't search these people's names. I guess I'm just um, wondering whether or not you are concerned that that affects your credibility. I don't care what people <laughs> think about my credibility. <laughs> I do. I think about that a lot. It does. It concerns me. It concerns me a lot, which is why, um, which is why the blog's down right now. Yeah. Thank you. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Yeah, really thanks so much. It. Hey, listeners of the Missing Mora Murray podcast. I am Tim here today with Lance and Maggie Freeling. You may have noticed there is a new GoFundMe page that has hit the internet. Maggie, tell us about this. We have been talking about this for a while. And even before the show aired, I was saying, you know, we need to get uh, reward money. We need to get reward money. And that was kind of one of my big pushes the whole time we were filming. And as everyone knows, I was not in much control over that process. So the ball was kind of dropped in terms of reward money. The three of us, the four of us, including Art, this was something we had always talked about. So I know you guys have been really talking about the A-Frame House situation and trying to make moves on that. And we all just decided, you know, I think now is the time to get the ball rolling. To clarify, what is this money going towards? People really want this slab of concrete in the backyard of the A-frame house searched. There have been a lot of local rumor about it. You guys had the episode with the previous owners saying that, you know, they also thought this slab of concrete was really suspect. I think it's something the community wants searched. And the dollars show that. We put up a GoFundMe to raise money to do a ground-penetrating radar on the slab, and the community has raised $4,000 to search it. So this is something that they want done, so uh, we have the resources to get it done. And this GoFundMe right now is asking for $10,000. So it's for ground-penetrating radar and a reward. Yes. We initially set the bar at 5000 we thought that would be enough just for GPR. And if we didn't reach that, I kind of just thought, okay, we'll donate it to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And any extra money I was thinking could go towards a reward money. So we raised it to 10000 because I personally think reward money could bust the case wide open. I think somebody knows something and money will incentivize them to talk. For anyone not familiar with GoFundMe, if you do not reach the $10,000 goal, what happens? Well, the money is still there and we can still you know, use it for a reward. Board, GPR, you know, whatever the community wants us to do. And we've 
talk to the police. They are totally fine with everything that we're doing. It's not going to interfere with anything that they are doing. We have the blessing of the Murrays. Fortunately, met and been in touch with Bobby Chacon of the FBI, who's helped out with some services that they've used in the FBI for GPR. So, you know, this is a real community effort. So who is going to actually be in charge of the money? Right now, I do not have a bank account linked to it or anything of that nature. It is really just money that's living in the ether. I haven't done that yet just because we're still raising money. I don't have a reason to withdraw it. And I was thinking we just set up a separate bank account and put the money in there just to hold on to until the police have somebody who's given information and then they request the money from us. All right. That's great. Ground penetrating radar. That is uh, that's something that does not disturb the the actual earth. So going up there is not going to rip up a bunch of stuff just in case people were thinking that we're going in with like backhoes and sledgehammers and jackhammers. This is uh, this is something that's going to scan the, the ground. It's going to scan any concrete. It'll let us know what's what's beneath there. We were also talking about how when we go up there. We want to keep the date undisclosed just to not attract a ton of attention for the owner's privacy. I've gotten a lot of requests for help with search teams and stuff, and it is greatly appreciated, but we are hiring a service. So we don't need a search team or anything like that. It's just going to be a service scanning the concrete slab, and we will go from there. I imagine if something is found, we will alert the police and then go from there as well. And also, Lance and I just wanted to share that a percentage from our documentary is also going to be added to this fund for a reward. Know if you, when it becomes time, if you download the, the a segment of the documentary for a certain price, a certain percentage is going towards whatever, whatever is necessary for this case. I think all of us were just blown away that in the first day we raised, in the first few hours, we raised thousands of dollars, you know, and that's what really just inspired me to start this was being at CrimeCon and meeting so many people from across the world concerned and wondering about Mora. And I didn't know it was going to be like that. I wish we had done this before CrimeCon. So when people came to meet us, we could have told them about it. Yeah, CrimeCon is so inspiring, just meeting everyone, all these people who care. And then also the Golden State Killer, I feel like uh, getting caught might have inspired the entire community a little bit. So this is a good moment to strike, everybody. Please check out the GoFundMe page, gofundme.com slash find-mora-murray. And it's on all of our social medias. And so please continue to share and post and spread the word. We're hoping to reach $10,000. You don't have to give a hundred bucks. You can give five bucks. You know, thousand people giving five bucks is pretty cool. That's a lot of money. And so when we do get these services, we will, of course, have receipts for everything. Just so everybody knows, I don't think there's really any worry where your money did go to. When we get the GPR service, we will have a receipt and we will stay transparent throughout the entire process. So you can really trust that your money is going to where we told you it was going to go. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.